Welcome to Tales She Told Me, a podcast featuring ordinary women who have overcome and done extraordinary things. I'm your host, Farah Haydar. So, one year ago, I launched Tales She Told Me, and boy, has it been a year. The podcast has changed and grown, and I hope it continues to do so. See, I started out wanting to tell women's stories and have them reflect on what they've overcome and what they've learned. Personally, I have learned so much doing this podcast, especially from my guests. So, to celebrate one year of existence, I put together a compilation of some of the best quotes and moments we've had on the show. And I wish I could have included everyone, but I did my very best to make this compilation a reflection on modern-day womanhood. So, I hope you enjoy it. There's also this idea that life should be easy and it's, and it's not life is hard and what's hard for me might be easy for you and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we kind of like watch life happen for other people through these filters of Instagram, social media, and TV. And we think, oh, they have it so easy, but we don't always know the truth. And again, what's easy for them, it might be hard for you and what's you know, easy for you might be hard for them. So there's really just no comparison and to develop the strengths and the tools so that you can handle your life as it comes out at you, I think is one of the most important skills we can develop. And one of the more, most important gifts we can give to our kids. It's a, it's a moment when I think in everyone's life, when you get into the point when you don't get to choose you don't get to hide. You just have to make a decision. Like, it's not that I need to, I have to, it's like, I'm gonna do it. How do I pursue these things that I wanna pursue um, and these things that I know I'm called to do um, and still be able to enjoy my family, be there with my kids? And what does that look like? Because I think a lot of moms, in different stages, we deal with mom guilt. We deal with, you know, am I given enough time here or am I not? And, you know, where do I, when do I start sacrificing, excuse me, sacrificing the time to maybe pursue these other things or whatever it may be. Um, and so a lot of it sometimes is mindset. It could be an elder in the family told me that this is what my motherhood has to look like. So there's this picture that was painted for me and it has to look like this, right? And, and anything that that goes beyond that is incorrect. And that's some of the work too of having to get moms out of that mindset of, but we're in a different time. This is different things going on. We have different you know, access to different things like that. I think it's yeah. so important for parents, women, moms, dads to have their own space. So my husband and I had this cool thing we used to do. We each gave one another at one hour per day. Wow. You get an hour. I get an hour and I could do whatever I wanted with that hour. You had to make that hour count there. Right. Like that's when it all started. And I started going to the gym and I had my one hour and that's what I chose to do. And, you know, I started to zero in on what made me happy. And this is what brings me joy. This is where, where I feel like I'm, I could be myself and I'm alone and I'm, I have a purpose and it's, and then I come home and I was better. I was a better mom. I wanted my bedroom to be my bedroom. Like yeah. There's toys all over this house. I, 
I said, no, no toys in my room, no children in my bed. That is my space. And like, it's okay for women, for mothers to have their own space. You're not being selfish. You're putting up boundaries. While I say there's no one way to parent, and I totally agree with that, there are common themes that you will see from these moms that have raised extraordinary people. Um, one of them is to enable your child for who they are. Another one I've heard from many moms is give them time to just be bored and to be open and to just have white space. because there were failures. It's not like I said, I'm going to make this decision to figure this out. And then the next day I took a magic pill and I figured it out. I failed and I, and I fell along the way. And there were a lot of things that didn't work, but eventually I stumbled into what did. Surround yourself with people, you know, are better than you are Mm -hmm. and push yourself to rise to the occasion of those friendships and those mentorships and those moments where you're afforded uh, a glimpse down the path that's further along than you are. Because I think if you begin with the premise that you should lead with joy or reach for joy, I think it can be a framework that you can build your life around. And if you do that, you'll have more joy in your life. When we come from a place of recognizing that we're not actually living in a place of rebellion, when we choose to live our life outside of the lines or just decide what the lines look like for ourselves, Mm -hmm. that we're not being rebellious. We are just living our life. And, And you start to kind of be like, well, I wanna try this thing and give yourself the grace to try the thing with absolutely no expectation of specific success, right? We can get curious and we can just explore the world and see what's possible for no specific outcome. We're in such a swipe right culture and and not even just with dating, it's with everything. Like if something's broken, we throw it away and we get a new one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Including our relationships. And we also want things to be easy. And something that I learned through my own personal therapy and through marriage counseling is that a lot of our marital issues were my own issues, right? Money is not something that has power over you. Like you said, money is this inanimate object that we attach all sorts of emotional baggage to, but you have to remember money's just paper or, you know, whatever. (laughs) I mean, it's obviously important. It lets us do things that we need to do, like eat and live somewhere and stuff, but like, it's not, it's not this highly emotional thing. It's not, it's not something that's judging us. We are assigning these feelings to it. And so even if you've given up your power in the past, you can get it back and it's not going to happen overnight. And it's not, may not be super easy, but like you can learn what you need to know and you can start doing what you need to do to have more power in your own financial situation. The, the stereotype is that females are relationship driven, right? Yeah. That's the stereotype. So why do we struggle so much with friendship? That's my question. It's a love hate thing. So um, women need each other. There is um, 
I have this in my book. I have in a, I don't know if I will get it right. Right. There are studies that show that um, when women are around other women, you get a serotonin surge and women like it, you know, you look at the hunter gatherer days. So we've evolved as women, you know, men would go hunt, women would stay together and help raise each other's children. So now we are in a very um, busy culture. It's harder to get together with your friends. It's harder, but we need each other. On the other hand, you brought up a good point. Like when your mom would do the coffee talks and it's all women coming in together and they're checking each other out and looking what each other is wearing. Well, that's still common today. It's like, oh, she has nicer shoes on than I do, or she's driving a better car. You know, there's always a tit or a tat. Um, And I'm generalizing, but uh, women view themselves in comparisons with other women. And um, I just think that's part of our society, whether we like it or not. Yet you'll, you'll have women that will do their own thing and say nasty things yet. Then on the flip side, they want unconditional support for their female friends. Mm. It's kind of like it butts heads sometimes. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have friend groups, which you mentioned, you now have great groups where you're living. I know my group of friends that I have here or other groups, like I know they're not talking about me when I get up from the table. I know, in fact, if I'm gone, they're raising me up. And so I think it's, that's a difference too, like of who you're hanging out with. We ended up going to a reggae nightclub and there was a shooting. I ended up getting shot in the leg and another man was killed and another man was shot in the foot. After the shooting, while I was in a wheelchair, I overheard somebody, one of my loved ones say, well, what did she expect? She went out dancing. You know, so the same story of if women dance or move in public, bad things happen, there are consequences. And I linked that to my shooting in my mind and in my body. And after that, I tried to dance. I tried to do the, the things that I used to do, but my body didn't work the same. And I was terrified of stepping outside again, breaking the rules again, and what the consequences might be for that. And so I slowly kind of closed in on myself over the next decade. So it's interesting that you say that because... um Learning to carry, I think, that kind of grief is a process. And I'm just wondering what you have learned from it and how you came to that ability. So, yeah. I mean, you learn the hard way, right? And I I can't uh, tell you how many people as a first reaction say, I don't know if I could have handled that or I don't know how you manage that. You know, and the answer is you don't have a choice, right? There isn't a an option to opt out. (laughs) It happens and you have to deal with it, right? So, you know, I think everyone is capable of managing it if they're given that circumstance because you have to, right? So we do that, we learn that. And and the more distance you get from it, you know, it's the more distance you get from the physical loss from the day that she died, from the illness, from the trauma of that, you know, you, you adapt to the pain almost like you would with an injury, right? So it's kind of like an emotional limp, Right. Instead of breaking your leg and having a limp, you have this emotional limp throughout your life. 
that you just navigate around it. When we feel shame about anything, our defenses are to either play the part. So we become sort of the human givers. We are subservient. I'm going to just do whatever I can to be of service to you because you're the person in a position of power. So I'm just going to be down here. And that could be Mm -hmm. on the global systems, especially thinking about the patriarchy, racism, all that, but it could be in your household. You don't already feel like you're deserving and worthy of love and connection. So you take care of everything for your kids and your partner because you feel like that's the only way they'll love you. But then one of the other ways that we do it is we fight shame with anger. And one of the ways that we do that then is we get defensive. We have to be right. We're going to stick it to them. That sort of, we Mm -hmm. believe it's righteous anger, but now all we're doing is putting that person in a position of power in both sides it is. And Mm -hmm. so it's really recognizing how you responding is keeping the system alive. And that's it. Thank you guys for joining me today. I hope you got something out of that. You can reach out on all social media platforms at Farah Haydar and tell me which one did you love most? Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you'll get notified when a next episode is available. New episodes of Tales She Told Me will be out soon as we continue to tell stories from women who have been there. Talk to you soon. Till then, chase your happy. Thank you.